Hello, and welcome to Coverage of Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Christmas with the Cranks, aka Skipping Christmas. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks uh, was originally published, the book form, as Skipping Christmas, and it was written by John Grisham and published in 2001. And the film adaptation came out in 2004 and was written by Joe Roth, sorry, directed by Joe Roth, written by uh, Chris Columbus of uh, Home Alone fame. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> just We're so, our holiday episode. Just, <laughs> happy holidays, everyone. Yes. Uh, just to paint everyone a picture, we've got our Christmas tree up. <laughs> Adina's wrapped in a blanket. We've got wine. We are ready for this. We had to prep ourselves as much as possible to be able to talk about this movie and this book. Yeah, so when we were talking about, we, we really wanted to do a Christmas or holiday episode. And we were like, okay, so we could go with the classics, you know, uh, A Christmas Carol, which is probably the most classic book that was adapted to many movies. But we're like, let's just do something that's totally not what anyone would expect. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure Christmas with the Cranks was a book. Yeah. And sure enough, it was. By John Grisham himself. Who is like a really popular like crime writer, you know, like lawyer yeah. type fiction. He does a lot of legal thrillers. Yeah, yeah. He did like the Pelican Brief, right? Mm-hmm. And other other stuff. Such books. He's still publishing now, but this was a departure for him and he decided to do a Christmas book. And it's only like 170, 180 pages. So it's kind of a quick read. Yeah, it was really short. Uh, but it did not feel short. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, honest to God, uh, Twilight was way easier to read than this. Oh my God, really? It was so hard for me to get through. It was really, 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 really hard. <laughs> for a movie about a season of joy, this movie was, or this book was very joyless to read. Like, I felt the same way. I, I never really wanted to pick it up. Yeah. And even though I could, like, get through a ton of it, like, just in, like, a half hour amount of time because it's so quick and easy to kind of skim through, I was still like, uh, no, nah, I'm going to read something else. I don't want to read <laughs> Yeah, this. yeah. I would read, like, one chapter and yeah. be like, yeah, that's... That's it for me. That's enough. <laughs> I'm done now. <laughs> Well, and, and something I, I've read from reviewers about this book that is so true, it's uh, they say it's like mean spirited. And that's yeah. very true. It's very mean spirited. It does feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, we're like already talking about how <laughs> terrible this book is immediately. But honestly, like we can't even like hold back. To be yeah. like, mm, let's talk about at the end if it was let's, bad or let's not. Let's kind of tease. No, yeah. it is bad. Although, we, you, you're, you can probably guess what we thought about the movie as well. So the question of which is better is still a mystery. So I haven't really decided yet. And I think this discussion will hopefully help me decide <laughs> okay. which one is worse. And maybe Ian can convince me. I don't know. I've decided. I'm just like, wow. Christmas trash. <laughs> this is Christmas trash. It's like the waste baskets after you've opened gifts in the morning, just stuffed with all the like tinsely garbage. Yeah, and it and looks pretty, but it's just it's just trash when just it comes down to it. Empty, heartless. It's Christmas garbage. trash, but trash Tr- nonetheless. Yeah, Christmas trash. <laughs> but isn't that that's kind of the nice thing about Christmas trash? Is like 
even for as bad as it is, yeah. there's still something about it that's, that's like, like, oh, it's Christmas. It's Christmas time. It's like the season. Yeah. The season <laughs> for trash. <laughs> so, yeah, let's like set up the, the story. Mm-hmm. It starts off with uh, Luther and Nora Crank, mm-hmm. and they're dropping their daughter off at the airport. Yes. Because she is now in the Peace Corps and going to Peru to work with uh, children or something. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't get into it too much. Yeah, and it almost feels like the author and in the movie, too, they're sort of like almost kind of sh- making Blair out to be kind of silly, which is their daughter, yeah. Blair. Yeah. Like, oh, she joined the Peace Corps. Like, she's kind of like just graduated and stupid. It's a very, it like, like, going young, to the jungle. Yeah. And, it's a very, like, young, liberal, like, yeah, thing to do, kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. Like, upper-class people would do, like, a, mm-hmm. a Peace Corps year, you know? But at the same time, like, it it is kind of cool that she wants to do something after graduation and not just, like, get into the workforce immediately. I thought that was, like... They were kind of being a little unfair to her. Yeah, I, I totally agree, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, it's like, yeah, she's just doing this thing like yeah that's fine <laughs> that's something that we'll be saying oh frequently God. throughout this story is they're doing this thing and, and it's that's fine, fine. <laughs> it's all fine <laughs> everyone calm down about this thing yeah and so the cranks are basically like you know she's gone now and christmas isn't going to be the same because she won't be back for like a whole year she'll be in peru for a year and Nora, the mother, of course, is like, is she going to be safe? Like, is she going to be OK? And she asks the question, is she safe to Luther, her husband, like 15 times in yeah. the book? And I wanted to just be like, he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> he has the same information you have. Is she safe? Yes. I don't know. We haven't heard otherwise. <laughs> like. <laughs> So they're they're all upset about her leaving, and right after she leaves, there's this scene where Luther has to get some stuff from like the grocery store, and there's like tons of people in there, and it's raining, and he gets wet, and he's just like, I hate stuff, and nah. life is bad. It, it pretty much plays out the same in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, there's like it's very it's much more slapsticky in the movie. There's like a oh, yeah. Santa who keeps trying to sell him an umbrella. And he's like, no, I don't need it. I'm already super wet. And then, and then like, he keeps getting wetter. He keeps getting wetter. <laughs> and it's lots of chuckles. Um, they're reading at the very beginning of this, though, I, I caught early on this idea that maybe this book was a bit of a, uh, a rush job or a cash grab. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the early indicators was... At one point in the book, you know, they drop her off at the airport and they're heading back. And yeah. Luther talks about he couldn't wait to get home, dry off and sit by the fire. Uh-huh. And I'm like, dry off from what? Yeah. Why is he wet? And then like two sentences later, he mentions it's raining. Yeah. I'm like little things like yeah, that. Yeah, Little tiny mm-hmm. things that you're like that. What? I, I wasn't you, following. And you almost feel like it's a situation where like, oh, it's John Grisham, this like best-selling author is writing this Christmas story. Of course, like we don't really need to like 
proofread this and <laughs> he be knows like what, he's doing. what is happening with this plot uh, we shouldn't accept this it's like oh we've already accepted to publish this it's not like some random author submitting this draft yeah and they're like what is this christmas trash <laughs> <laughs> uh one of the one of the big differences though for me is that early on you kind of get the idea that Luther of the book is just pure, like, annoyance in human form. Yeah. He's just annoyed and grumpy and curmudgeony. And and that's his character. Yeah, that's his entire character. And it's just kind of this Christmas stereotype. Yeah. A big Christmas curmudgeon guy. Yeah. And I've heard some reviews of this book kind of compare it to A Christmas Carol, like, oh, like, Scrooge-type grumpy man who, like, learns the true meaning of Christmas. Well, yeah, and I think either John Grisham or someone, maybe the book itself, like, compared to the two. Yeah. Because I heard that also. People were like, they might like to compare it to A Christmas Carol, but... <laughs> Not mm. quite. <laughs> <laughs> but at least in the movie, like, Tim Allen for, you know, as average as he is in a lot of ways, like... He's comfortable in this kind of role. He does bring a certain amount of, like, likability to it. And he has that comedic ability he to kind of, like, play that up a lot. And I feel like the movie does this a lot, where there are these scenes in the book that are kind of funny and weird, but then they, like, hype it up to, like, ten in the movie. Yeah. Like, the rain scene is a good example. And the, yeah. In the book, it's just like he's going to the store and he like steps in a puddle and it's raining and he's like, mur, mur, mur. and then in the movie, of course, like a car goes by and drenches him and then this awning breaks and just like drenches, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it kind of takes it up a notch. It does. But then again, the book I isn't funny. No. The book's not funny. <laughs> the book is not. <laughs> it's like, it's so, it it's just like, oh, he stepped in a puddle and he's cold now. Yeah. Laugh with me, people. <laughs> this is, this is, these are the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of, he doesn't write it in a funny way. No. Like, there are setups for things that could be funny, but ultimately, he's not actually trying to sell the joke. He's just like, oh, now kids are trying to sell him a Christmas tree and he's turning them down. Yeah. He's saying no to Boy Scouts. Like, those are the... It's just describing the scene. And, yeah. I, and I've read other people say this, like the book almost feels like a pitch for the movie. <laughs> it's like, here's the, here's the rough draft of the movie Yeah, in book form. This is what you can use to make the movie. Yeah. Which I, I, I totally buy into. So he's like upset about stuff and Blair is gone. And so he gets this like crazy idea. Crazy idea. Crazy Adina. <laughs> it's so insane that the other characters of the story can't wrap their mind around it. So are you ready? The crazy idea is that instead of celebrating Christmas, Luther and Nora are going to go on a cruise instead of doing the whole Christmas thing. So they decide to skip Christmas and go on a 10-day cruise instead and just enjoy their lives because they're middle-aged now and their daughter has just left, you know, for a year and they're like, let's just live it up. Let's just enjoy mm -hmm. ourselves. And everyone, everyone, like, while they're telling them this is, like, drinking water and they tell them, <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, we're not doing Christmas this year. We're going on a cruise. And then everyone just, like, spits out their water and they're just like, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> that is exactly like there's just and and this is the structure basically of the entire book is that it's scene after scene yep. after scene after scene after scene of Luther and Nora telling people about either they're either just telling people about their plan yeah. And the person's like, what? Yeah. Like, just, they, they're just, <laughs> you're not doing Christmas? Like, yeah. And, or they're people who are like selling things for Christmas. Yeah. Like, uh, the Boy Scouts selling Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. And seriously, there's three situations of this happening, like, exactly the same way. Playing out the same way. Uh, Boy Scouts selling Christmas trees for a fundraiser, uh, police officers selling. Um, calendars yes calendars uh for fundraisers mm-hmm. and not not for them for like kids with cancer and stuff <laughs> and uh a firefighter selling um uh fruit, fruit cakes. cakes yeah yeah and it's they show up they try to sell the thing luther's like hum, 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 hum. i'm not we're skipping we're christmas. skipping christmas and they're like i don't understand you <laughs> the words that are coming out of your mouth are incomprehensible like, what you hate children <laughs> <laughs> And, and he keeps offering. He's like, I'll donate like extra money in the summer when you do your summer fundraiser. And they're like, uh, OK, but you're basically the worst person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'll sp- I'll I'll give you guys more money when you do that. Like for the Boy Scouts, he's like, you guys do that camp outing in the spring, right? Yeah. I'll give you guys a hundred bucks when you do that. Like in the book, he's like much more. Yeah. He's kind of reasonable. He's yeah. like, we're not doing this now, but I will like chip in later. And mm-hmm. they're all like, mm what you're so awful (laughs) he's he's more unlikable in the movie in that way that he's just flat out refusing to buy anything for fundraisers Mm -hmm. and at one point like he bends over to look at the boy scout he's like we're going on a cruise (laughs) he's like (laughs) proving himself to children (laughs) he's just yelling at this child in the face that he's going on a cruise but another aspect of this is that uh he as a uh, a tax accountant, yeah, he did the math on how much they spent the previous Christmas, yeah, and he found out it's six thousand one hundred dollars. Yeah, how do you spend that much money on Christmas? Like, I don't understand how you could spend that much money on Christmas. It's honestly unreal. Yeah, and it's just like, wow. And this, <laughs> I know. wow. And this is kind of like touching on the whole. Um, the whole I, I don't know how to put it like this is about upper middle class white people oh yeah the demographic middle class white people problems not that they're ever exp- like described as white other than luther and nora yeah but i mean you know yeah on. they're all white you <laughs> they're know all white. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like in the midwest and i don't know it's just a very like specific type of like slice of people And they're the type of people that would be shocked that if you said you weren't doing Christmas stuff, like if anyone else in real life said, oh, I'm just like not doing Christmas this year, people would probably be like, oh, okay, like that's your choice. Like, sure, whatever. Yeah. But it's just like everyone has to like freak out about it. I don't know. Well, and and, uh, Luther's perspective on shit is also this way when he's turning down the police officers uh, to give them money. He's like. Um, I pay my taxes. I pay your salaries. Ugh. So, you know, you, you know, <laughs> you but, you know, <laughs> and they're like, this isn't for us. This is for like kids. It's a fundraiser, you idiot. But yeah. like he's very and, and this is like 
Who are we supposed to side with on this? Yeah, it is weird because Luther is such an ass, like the whole book, even though he's a little more reasonable in the book than in the movie. Um, And Nora is just annoying. I'd like to talk about Nora for a little bit because so she's like this, you know, housewife. She doesn't have a job, which is fine, but she's kind of this socialite, does all this volunteer work. But like she obviously has a comfortable enough life with her husband that she can do this. Yeah. And it's almost like this like rich white people, like women's circle where they're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we do charity work. Um, but we're also like really gossipy and all this stuff. And catty and And that she's always telling like her friends all this stuff and they're always and every scene they're just like really bitchy to her the whole time. <laughs> and there's this one scene in particular where they're literally at a domestic violence center and they're talking about like some kind of fundraiser thing that they're doing for the women's shelter. And then they her friends find out that she's not doing the Christmas Eve party that they do every year. And they're like, you're not doing the Christmas Eve party. This is like the worst thing that has ever happened in the world. And we're in a domestic violence shelter right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I just can't like wrap my head around that. I don't know. And this goes back to I don't know what John like how self-aware is John Grisham writing? Yeah. This? Yeah. Like. You almost feel like he he can't not be aware of that irony. Yeah. But it's not played up in that way. No. It's just kind of this whole shtick, like, goofy joke, like, the, the whole premise of the movie that they want to skip Christmas and no one can wrap their heads around it. Yeah. It's not, like, any kind of commentary on People social have, class. Yeah, social or, class or having, yeah. like, concern, like these really silly concerns that are nothing compared to the larger issues going on. Like, yeah, there's none of that. Because I think if it was, they at some point would have to be faced with, like, real people's shit. You yeah, know? Like, at exactly. the holidays, like, yeah. oh, our problem is we don't have enough money to buy our kids Christmas presents. I mean, I think you they know? sort of try to do that with the, the one neighbor family. Like, the woman in the one family, Bev, has cancer. Yeah. So they're sort of like, oh, well, like, she has cancer, and so that you should, like, feel bad for her and remind yourself that you could also have cancer, I guess. But, yeah, the whole, like, economics of Christmas, like, they talk about it being expensive, but they don't really talk about what that means for lower-income families and how Mm -hmm. people in different social classes wouldn't even have this problem because they can't even conceive of having enough money to even buy gifts for their children, let alone, like, throw a Christmas Eve party. Yeah. It's just, like... Like, for this to actually be satire, like, you would have to have some kind of... I think contrast foil for that. Yeah. In which you're actually seeing this other side and like comparing the two, in my opinion, I don't know. Cause I've, I've heard people bring up the possibility that this is supposed to be kind of a social satire, but I'm not buying it. No, I don't think it works. <laughs> <laughs> it would have needed a few more editing drafts to get to that place. It would I have think. needed at least one round of edits, yeah. which this book didn't get. I don't think. So, you know, they're going along with this cruise plan and Luther and Nora are super into it. First, Luther has to convince Nora, but then she's like, yeah, that would be great. Like, this is actually a really good idea. And so they start like tanning because they want to be like a little tan for their cruise. Mm -hmm. And then they also go on diets, which it's not really mentioned in the movie, I think, to their betterment. But in the book, they talk a lot about how they're both on this diet and they're like not eating food. 
Yeah. And they're just like starving all the time. <laughs> He's yeah. They get home and they're like stuffing down this like steamed vegetables with like one serving of fish and are just like eating plain yogurt. <laughs> yeah. And, but then on the other hand, like Luther knows that there's like unlimited food on this cruise and he's going to stuff himself when he gets there. I'm like, yeah, it's this like is this so gluttonous and weird. A, and, like binging, purging yeah, type scenario yeah. almost. Yeah. They're like trying to starve themselves now so they can like eat a lot later on the cruise. Yeah. They just, they have like really weird body image issues mm-hmm. throughout the book that I was like, Please stop talking about how you're literally starving right now. <laughs> I know. It, it's like we're starving. Meanwhile, like the lower class family who's trying to like yeah. feed their kids. <laughs> um, let's talk about the movie a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about Tim Allen just being fine. He's fine. I mean, he's totally like. I feel like they cast him because of the Santa Claus. Yeah. And how he's like, oh, Tim Allen, like in a Christmas movie. Perfect. Like, let's get him. He had already been in two Santa Claus movies at this point. So it was like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, (laughs) who plays his wife. Yeah. She was not good in this. No. I feel like the whole, like, last half of the movie, she's just, like, screaming. (laughs) Like, she's always just like, oh! (laughs) <laughs> she's just like first of all it seems like she needs to be on Xanax or something she's just mm-hmm. like really like up and down in like every direction like emotionally she's just like crazy and hyper I almost feel like she was Jamie Lee Curtis was told like hey we're doing this movie and it was written by Christopher Columbus who did uh, or I guess he goes by Chris Columbus he who did Home Alone yeah and we want you to be in it and like we kind of wanted to have that feel and she's like okay I know exactly what you want and she went home and she taped a picture of Macaulay Culkin to her mirror and she's <laughs> like this is who I'm going to be now like a crazy like hyperactive like <laughs> I mean to be fair she doesn't have a lot of material to work with no. because the portrayal of Nora in the book and in the movie is just like this kind of bitchy wife mm-hmm. who sort of turns on her husband on a like in a second and is basically like, now you have to do this. You need to get your like button gear. And, you know, this was your like stupid yeah. idea and kind of I don't know. She she's just kind of like nagging him a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. But you're right. She does play her like very intensely. Like, there's a part where the car- carolers show up at their house. Yeah. And she's on the phone with Luther and she like runs around the bedroom and then literally jumps and hides under the covers. That's true. I'm like, what, the f- what is what happening? Is <laughs> are you a human? Why are you hiding under the covers in your own home? It's just very, very, very over the top. Yeah. Um, But... That's also kind of like where this movie wanted to exist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, so now I would like to discuss the Luther sexism part of the book. If you thought we could discuss a book that didn't get into gross sexism, you were wrong. (laughs) So Christmas, but also sexism. (laughs) So this isn't really in the movie at all, which is smart, because it was one of the parts that I hated the most out of the book. And it's like Luther is kind of always like lusting after random women. Like he talks about how the travel agent that he booked the cruise through is like really like young and attractive and how he likes to admire her body. 
And, like, he gets, like, a soda with her and, like, likes to talk to her and stuff. And then there are other parts, too, where he's talking about how he's imagining the string bikinis that he'll see on their cruise later yep. on. Mm-hmm. And then another part where he's talking about some woman they know who's the wife of some person they know. And he was like, yeah, she was really annoying, but he didn't mind it too much because she was really hot for her age. And I was like, well, <laughs> 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 why is this happening? Cool, Luther. Awesome. Well, and there's and so many of the guy characters in this book are that way. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy he works with who comes to his office and he's like praising him for this idea mm-hmm. and Luther's being all smug about it. And that's the thing. He's always smug about this idea. Yeah. If people are mad about them skipping Christmas, he's happy and smug about it. If yeah. they're praising him, he's happy and smug about it. Mm-hmm. They ju- you just can't like him in any capacity. He's like self-congratulating about everything. Yeah. But this guy's telling him like, oh, this is such a great idea. Like, And Luther's like, yeah, you should take a cruise with your wife. And he's like, oh, no, I couldn't stand it. I'd throw her overboard after one day. And you're like, oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All the women in this book are just, like, overbearing and bossy and naggy. Yeah. And, like, yeah, so many of them are naggy. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the whole setup is just the the wives being naggy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, yelling at their husbands while they're on the roof, like, stringing Christmas lights or what have you. Yeah, and there's a part, too, where he and Nora go to, like, dinner and a movie, and Luther is just, like, hating every second of it. Yeah. In the book, he's like, ugh, I only do this to, like, humor Nora so that she, like, won't be mad at me. I'm like, you are so awful if you can't go to, like, one movie with your wife, you, like, terrible person. (laughs) He, like, walks out halfway through it. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I have to go to the bathroom bathroom or something and yeah. then he's just like walking around the mall yeah like he just leaves her and then he like looks at this uh model like a cu- cardboard cutout model or like a poster of a woman in a bikini and he's like oh yeah <laughs> it's gross it's so gross also like i don't think this is so much luther's character as just the writing yeah but He's very extreme in his reactions, and I think John Grisham thinks it's funny. Yeah. But it's really awful, kind of. Like, at one point when he... there, There's an incident where he's, like, publicly embarrassed in front of, like, the, the neighborhood. Yeah. And he thinks, like, it was the first time he ever actually contemplated suicide. I'm like, come on. Dude. This is ridiculous. And then there's another time, and I forget the context, but I have... I have the book open. It said, <laughs> if Luther had had a machine gun, he would have bolted outside and commenced spraying houses. Wow. I'm like, is this what passes as funny in this book? And I mean. Is this what you think like middle-aged white Kurt, men like, like think? <laughs> and this was 2001. So like not yeah. as politically charged as it would be today. But still like that's not even like kind of funny funny speaking of politically charged there's another part where he's talking about the office christmas party at his work and how he's like skipping that and he is talking about how everyone gets really drunk and then all the like accountants get so drunk that they try to grope all the secretaries even like the homely ones and i'm like okay you know office place Harass- sexual harassment is never okay, especially with like what's been happening lately, but like never okay, not even then to joke about that. And it, yeah. you just kind of like played it off like, oh, they get drunk and then they try to like sexually assault the women that they work with. And it's just like, oh, 
(laughs) (laughs) I was reading that and I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) There was a point where we were both reading this book, like at slightly different points side by side on the couch. And just every five minutes, one of us would go like, oh my God, page 122. You're you're not going to believe it. I'd be like, oh my God, I just got to that part on page 96 where he talks about Mexico or something. Oh my God. (laughs) So bad. So uh, should we get to the turning point then? Yeah. And so there's this big twist in the book around halfway through. Who would have guessed uh, they get a call from their daughter and she's coming home for Christmas. Yeah. And she's like, it's and only been cr- a month. Christmas Eve. Yeah. They, she calls them on Christmas Eve and they're going to leave for their cruise on Christmas Day. So they're like packing. And she's like, I'm coming home. I'll be there at like six. PM and she's like I'm bringing my new boyfriend that I met in Peru and we're engaged and they're all like what is happening (laughs) and she's like you're having the party right and you're gonna be like have like the pie I love and everything yeah you're gonna like do everything for me like you've always done and Nora just is like yeah sure of course like of course we're gonna do this and then like when they get off the phone Luther's like you what no we can't we can't we have our cruise tomorrow we have our cruise we can't have them and Nora, of course is like no we're giving blair the best christmas she's ever had and you are gonna get your butt in gear (laughs) this is where nora takes this like radical turn in the book specifically yeah because in the book she just unloads on Luther. She's like, this was your stupid idea like this is all your fault Mm -hmm. like you idiot like she just like unloads on him and it's like you liked the idea too like like you should have because it was a reasonable idea but Mm -hmm. yeah she just like wants someone to blame for it i guess and she's just like now you're gonna suffer all day and we have to like get a tree we have to get food for the party we have to call people and invite them we have to decorate the house we have to do all of this crazy shit like go through this whole series of contrived (laughs) events in order to like prepare for christmas yeah and they're like we can't tell blair about the cruise because then she would feel bad if she knew that we couldn't go because of her and it's just like a ton of people like not communicating well with I each know. other and it made me so mad because like luther was the logical one in this situation and yeah. i was mad for grisha making us like not relate but like agree with luther because he's been so terrible this whole time I know. <laughs> but he's like listen she called way too late like yeah. she shouldn't have called this late She can't expect us to, like, bend backwards. Yeah, to drop everything. We just have to be honest with her. And Nora's terrible. And I'm also very mad at Blair for also doing this. Yeah, like, expecting her parents to do all this this for her. This is why surprises are awful. Yeah. Surprises are terrible. Nobody likes surprises, There's no good surprises. (laughs) All surprises are bad. All surprises are bad. (laughs) Yeah, unless it's money with no strings attached. Yeah. But, like, like, surprise proposals awful stupid idea no don't do it never <laughs> surprise parties mm. Mm, it depends depends maybe yeah. the person feels sick that night and they don't feel good or maybe they're like wearing an outfit that they don't like and they feel bad the whole time a surprise lasts for like one second it's not worth like all of the <laughs> risks <laughs> yeah yeah so this begins the second part of the book and the movie where it turns into this wacky crazy like 
day where the cranks are just trying to get these impossible tasks done. They're like, we have to do all of these things and we only have like two hours to do them and let's just kill ourselves <laughs> to do this. And it's just like, I, mean, I don't know, the first half kind of felt like a little bit of a commentary on the consumerism and materialistic aspect of Christmas. And then it completely drops it in the second act. And it's just like, and now they literally pay like money out of their butts to like pull this thing off. Yeah. Also, I'm just remembering this part at one point in the book, uh, Nora receives a letter from Blair yeah. talking about like the children she's helping in Peru and how it made her happy or okay with the fact of not celebrating Christmas because they didn't celebrate Christmas or, like, they didn't have anything. Yeah. And she was like, I'm okay not having all the materialistic stuff of Christmas. And that, like, ensures Nora that, like, okay, this cruise is okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. But then Blair comes back and she's like, hey, where's all the shit I love at Christmas time? Yeah, where's time? that, like, caramel pie that you make me and my honey ham? <laughs> I want my honey ham, damn it. <laughs> So as long as we're talking about the honey ham, <laughs> there's this great, great scene in the movie where Nora is at the store trying to buy honey ham because apparently Blair loves honey, hickory honey ham. <laughs> which is just ham in a huge can, which I've actually never seen before. But Yeah, it just is like canned ham. And I'm like, that doesn't look that good but I don't know I don't eat ham um, <laughs> but she's at a store and she literally gets into like this race with this other woman with a shopping cart to try to get the ham and then she doesn't get it and then there's this other couple that she literally like pays extra money to buy the ham from them and then she's walking back to her car and then the bag breaks and the ham rolls down the street and somehow this crazy oblong can manages to just roll, roll perpetually itself. across like the parking lot and into the street into oncoming traffic and Nora almost kills herself <laughs> Jumping in front of a semi truck to save this to ham. To save the ham. But honestly, the the really genuinely just funny part though was like when the truck runs over the ham and Nora screams, and she's played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. So she gives this great horror movie scream when yes. the ham gets run over. <laughs> she's like, ah! ah, like this, like she's being murdered, like yeah. scream, which was actually genuinely pretty funny. So. And then when she gets back to the house and Luther asks her about the ham, she's like. Don't mention hickory honey ham to me ever again. <laughs> it's so good. It was the one gag with Nora in the movie that was actually like really done, funny. Yeah, really genuinely funny and like played off well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he they get they get the tree and they get the the food. Some of the food. Some of the food. Do you think? Okay, this is something I wanted to bring up about the book. Do you find it weird because there's different neighbors and characters like that? Yeah, and they're not even worth describing as individual people because it's no, just they're just the all the same yeah. yeah they're just a collective mass but the way the book it mostly follows luther and nora yeah their perspective it's like written in third person mm -hmm. but you know around them but then the book will just kind of shift to yeah, the perspective the neighbors. of neighbors mm -hmm. and like what they're thinking, not just what they're doing, but like their perspective and what they're thinking and stuff. Yeah, that was kind of weird. And it's not like there's no line breaks or anything. It just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It was just very strange to me the way it shifted back and forth. Yeah, I don't know if it was supposed to make them less of a villain because they were just complete antagonists the whole book yeah you know they're just like oh we have to punish you for like not 
doing the things that we're all doing around Christmas. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, that was just, it kind of threw me the first time it happened. And I think. I noticed that too. Because I think like 80% of it follows Nora and uh, Luther. Mm-hmm. So when it does slide out of that perspective occasionally, it's just like, what? Yeah, it huh? feels a little weird. Yeah, kind of con- a convenience, I don't know, of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, and so Luther has to get Frosty on the roof now, which we haven't talked about Frosty yet, but it's like this street tradition that they have this giant like six-foot Frosty that lights up that they put on the roofs of the houses, and then they win these like Christmas decorating competitions. I don't know. House... Lighting up decorations. I don't know. Anyway, they refused to put it up all December because they were like, we're skipping Christmas. We're not putting up the Frosty. And then like the neighborhood kids are like protesting and putting signs in their yard like free Frosty. And it's this whole thing. And then finally, with Blair coming back, Luther's like, I have to get the Frosty on the roof. Yeah. So... This was actually the funniest part of the movie. No, I liked it too. Which really surprised me because it's it, I knew it was going to be kind of slapsticky or yeah. I thought it was going to be more slapsticky, I guess, than it was. But um, when Luther's dragging the frosty, he's got like a rope he, tied around it and is like dragging it onto the roof. And he's tied the rope in a noose around Frosty's neck as he's like hoisting it up, which was just a funny detail. Like it wasn't. Yeah. No, like actual attention was drawn to it, but it was so clear. It was funny. Um, And then he's he's got it up on the roof and he's trying to like uh, position it, position it so he can tie it to the chimney. And at this point, all of the neighbors have like seen they see what's going on and they've like all come out of their houses because none of them know why he's putting it up. But yeah. you know, they see it's happening, so they come out. And this is a huge difference between the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. But in the book, um, everyone's kind of antagonizing him. Yeah, and they're like and laughing heckling at him. him. And then, of course, as he's like grappling with this Frosty. The six-foot Frosty. The six-foot Frosty. He topples over with it, mm-hmm. slides off of the icy roof, and luckily, like, an extension cord wraps around his ankle, and he, like, stops, like, seven mid, feet yeah midair above like his uh like pavement yeah and there's still people who are like laughing and taunting him and i'm like he could have died like, you just almost watched a man die like your children are here yeah and you're like it egging weird. it on it weird. was so it was like so over the top like in terms of depicting these characters yeah uh but actually in the movie when it happens People are way more concerned. Oh, yeah. And are like, oh, you know, we got to help him. Like, you know, let's try to catch him and call like the fire department. Plus, it's super funny because (laughs) as Luther is trying to put this Frosty up in the movie version. So (laughs) he's like trying to get the Frosty and he's, you know, struggling with it. And he's like, come on, Frosty. Like, don't do this to me. Like, we, we got this. And then he like looks up at Frosty. And just, like, the black coal eyes suddenly, like, start to, like, there's little, like, flames inside them. (laughs) And he's like, no. 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 And, like, the flames get stronger, and then it, like, topples him over. It's, like, leaning on top of him, like, almost, like, heavier. It's, like, trying to kill him. (laughs) And I love the evil Frosty storyline in this movie. Like, it's so good. There's another funny part where when they're hiding from carolers in the basement, they're, like, by the furnace, just, like, keeping warm. And they happen to look over, and there's the frosty like stored behind the furnace but just illuminated by like firelight yeah and they're just like scream and run away yeah i really like
like the evil Frosty. Well, and I was going to say this, those scenes remind me a lot of a kind of Home Alone humor. Yeah, yeah. Like it reminds me specifically of uh, the scene in the basement. Oh, with the furnace. With the furnace. Yeah. This kind of like... Uh, um, sentient sentient like object of Mm -hmm. like you know that's kind of scary but like more funny and i'm like this is kind of the humor that's very close to home alone and what i I actually think is like the most like the funniest of the the stuff that works in the movie yeah yeah Yeah. i think so too Mm -hmm. and there's a scene earlier where Luther like ices the sidewalk in the movie. Oh my god! Because yeah. he's like trying to keep the carolers from caroling on their sidewalks. He's like, I'll just turn it to ice, and I'm like, Oh my god, this is straight out of Home Alone. I know. Like literally, he ices the sidewalk, and they like slip and fall, and it's this funny thing. Chris Columbus is just like at home, like writing late at night. He's like, Ah, I'll just reuse it. <laughs> ice, ice the sidewalk. It's it's a classic. Works every time. <laughs> <laughs> so after his near-death experience uh, and the ambulance is there, Luther finally fesses up to the neighborhood that Blair's coming home, and that's why they're actually throwing the party now and having Christmas. Mm-hmm. And Frohmeyer? Yeah, or Vic, Froemeyer, Vic Froemeyer. Who is played by... Um, Oh, I knew I was going to blank on his name when I came to have to say it. Dan Aykroyd. (laughs) He's played by Dan Aykroyd. (laughs) Nice save. Thank you. And uh, he's kind of like the big shot in the neighborhood, but he kind of corrals everyone together and is like, okay, everyone, uh, you might hate Luther, but we all like Blair. She babysat our kids and we want to throw her a good Christmas. So, and he like rallies the whole community together and he's like, all right, everyone get food and bring it over and then let's decorate the house. And then let's get someone else's frosty and put it on the Luther's roof. So it looks like they have a frosty and let's decorate the front for them and we'll get all this together. So, I mean, it's like supposed to be this heartwarming scene where all the community sort of like rallies together. Yeah. But, but it, I feel like it happens too late. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, I mean, are they just doing it because they're getting what they want? Yeah, because like, they're finally conforming to like the Christmas vibe. I don't know. Yeah, like the whole movie has been them like persecuting them for not celebrating Christmas. And now it's like, oh, you're finally doing it. Okay, we'll help you now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel heartwarming. No. At all. <laughs> no, especially because they've been like terrible the whole story you know they've just been like mean to the cranks this whole time like literally harassing them (laughs) like this story should have been how i wish luther was less shitty but it should have been how luther luther and nora were right yeah and it's like hey we don't have to skip we don't have to do christmas like we're not beholden to anyone it's like hey we want to do this thing and people are like oh they should be like oh that's cool like you do your thing hey we're doing this thing that's awesome yeah. Good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can't you can't even side with Luther and Nora because they're just so off and they're really smug in the book. Oh, yeah. Like at one point they're eating dinner and they're like looking around at like a restaurant. Yeah. And they're like scoffing at all the pale faces. Yeah. Because be- they're like tanning. Because they're really tan now. Oh, my God. And you just want to just want to. Well, them. and there are other parts, too, like in the movie where they come like. All the neighbors are putting up their Frosty. And you know that there's this, like, competition that's coming up. And they're like, hey, guys, like, I know you're not doing Christmas, but just, like, bring Frosty out to the front porch and we'll put him up for you. Like, we just want him up so the whole street can get judged. And, like, they refuse to do that, too. And I'm just like, why wouldn't you just 
give them the frosty if they're going to put it up themselves. Yeah. Like it's not that big of a deal. Like don't just do it because of your pride and you're just trying to be like all smug and superior about it. You know, same with like donating money to these charities. Like, he was so adamant about like, oh, we, we're doing this to save money. Like, we're going to save $3,000 this year. Well, like, the the total amount of money they asked you to donate was like 300 Yeah. Which you've done in previous years, so mm-hmm. you're certainly capable of it. Like, Why wh- refuse? You're still saving money if you donate some to these charities. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it just felt kind of like rubbing it in their faces type thing. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone in this book is... Just awful. Everyone's <laughs> awful. You can't side with anyone. No. Not even Blair. <laughs> no, because even Blair, like, there's this part in the book where she gets off the airplane with her boyfriend, Enrique, and she doesn't see her parents there waiting for her. And she's like, why aren't they here? I know. And I'm like, you literally called them like six hours ago and were like, hey, pick me up. <laughs> I know. I am so annoyed that Blair and... No one ever like she goes she goes back and they have the party and everything and like no one calls her out. No one calls her out on her shit about like calling at the last minute and And just expecting her parents to cater to her every whim. And she'll never know the shit her parents went through to bend over backwards for her. Yeah. And she's going to grow up and continue to be a shitty person because no one ever called her out on it. (laughs) That's That's how the story ends. Blair is awful like everyone else. (laughs) So her parents weren't waiting for her at the airport because they got a police escort to pick them up Mm -hmm. while Luther and Nora and the rest of the neighborhood planned the party. So like the police pick them up and then drive them back to the party. But in the movie, it plays out a little differently. Yeah, they uh, have to keep stalling uh, because they're not ready yet. At the party. At the party. And so the police like are driving slow. And then at one point they say they have like a domestic disturbance. They have to go see... And it leads to them, like, finding, like, a burglar. And, yeah, like, arresting him. Chasing him down and arresting him. And then, how do they... I guess he was in the car with them. How do they transport all of them together? They, don't, good... show, they don't show the burglar in the car with Blair and Enrique no. and the police officers. But, like, they only took one car. And Blair and Enrique were already in the back. And there were two police officers in the front. And then the burglar is in the car later, like just outside yeah. when they're having the party. And you're like, he was probably in the car with them, just like chilling. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's a weird scene, though, where during the party, he's still in the back of the police car. Yeah. And the two police officers are just inside, like drinking They just and left eating. him in the car. And the window's down. Yeah. And he's like, he stops the one kid who's like the neighborhood kid. And he's like, hey. I'm freezing to death out here. Can you let me out? And then the kid lets him out, like somehow uncuffs his handcuffs and lets him out of the car. And he's like, just get some food. And then you're back in the police car. And the burglar's like, of course, because I would never do anything wrong. I just think Chris Columbus didn't think this movie was Chris Columbus-y enough. He's like, yeah, this is another Home Alone vibe. We need a Christmas time robber. We need a Christmas burglar. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just has like, a weird payoff at the end. It's just so weird. It's such a really out of left field subplot because the whole time they're like having this party and everyone's so excited that they pulled this off and Blair is there with her boyfriend and everyone's like, yes, peace on earth, blah, blah, blah. And then this burglar is like stealing 
their valuables and then trying to like sneak out of the house. Yeah. And just like this has nothing to do with any of the stories or the characters that we've been introduced to this whole time. And, and all of a sudden it's just like, and then there was a burglar. Can we take a minute and discuss Enrique? Oh, yes. And the color or not color of his skin and where he is from and all of the problems in the book about this. Okay, so I I am so ready. (laughs) (laughs) You've got your book out. I don't understand what Christian was going for in, in this part of the book. Like... I honestly don't get it, but decide for yourself. So this is right after Blair has called them and told them that she's coming back and she's bringing her Peruvian fiance, Enrique. And so they're like planning and Nora's like, okay, you have to get the tree. I'll go get like food. And then Luther asks, don't Peruvians have dark skin? Nora froze for a second. They stared at each other, then both looked away. I guess it doesn't matter now, she said. I'm like, what? And then. Should we? Okay, I can let you go. Okay. And then just in case you thought that was like a one off later on when Blair and Enrique actually arrive, the door opened and Blair rushed in. Nora and Luther both glanced at her first, then quickly looked beyond to see how dark Enrique was. He wasn't dark at all, at least two shades lighter than Luther himself. They hugged and squeezed their daughter as if she'd been gone for years. Then, with great relief, met their future son-in-law. Yeah. Like, what is happening? So, the thing I think the first part was about was the fact that they had been tanning and were really dark at that point, maybe. Maybe. Like, I think John Grisham was like, oh, it would be awkward if, like... If, if they went to, like, greet their new son-in-law and they were out of nowhere, like, really dark themselves for no reason. Mm, yeah. Is maybe... I Because just that comment about they looked at each other... Yeah. ...was my thought. But that second part, though... Yeah. ...is I don't know what it's like trying to... Like, they're relieved con- after they realize yeah. that he's light-skinned. Well, and I should just say, <laughs> the first time I read the book, or when I read the book... Uh, that first part, that's what jumped into my mind was they were talking about their tanning and that, yeah. which like I said, like, I don't get how that's funny or related, or related anything. or anything like that. But I think that's what he was trying to get at or something. But that second part, especially when they were like super relieved. Yeah. Yeah. Also, here's a part where, <laughs> uh, when the police officers pick them up at the airport and are driving them, uh, the one police officer says uh he he's talking to them he said had a cousin went to mexico one time salino said but let it go because there was nothing else to add the cousin had almost died etc but salino wisely decided not to venture into third world horror stories like trying to relate oh you're from peru right i had a cousin who went to mexico once in another continent (laughs) like yeah like what what are you talking about like and it's such an ignorant statement. It is. That like, oh, Mexico and Peru, those are like the same place, right? Even yeah. though one's in North America and one's in South America. Yeah. And also like describing Mexico as a third world country, which. It's not. It's not. Not by how we refer to third world countries. Yeah. Uh, today. And like, it's such an ignorant statement, but like, I don't 
it doesn't come across as purposefully ignorant. No, and they don't acknowledge any of this beyond no. what we've said. Like, they don't talk about it later and kind of throw some light on what is happening at all. And there's another part, too, where they're talking about Blair being in Peru and, like, being with the savages and stuff. And it's just, it's so uh, racially insensitive, if not outright racist. Yeah. Um, these things that are going on. So, yeah, it was just super uncomfortable and it felt really kind of randomly thrown in there. And I, I'm honestly not sure what what is happening in this book. Is, like, the <laughs> author trying to show that these people are kind of racist because they're, like, in their, like, white middle-class bubble? Or is he just throwing in, like, this racist stuff because those are his views? Or is he just putting it in for gag? Like, yeah. I don't know what's happening, and it does not work, and it made me really uncomfortable. Yeah, there were a lot of parts uh, let's talk about the other part that we kind of skipped that was really uncomfortable just since we're on this t- oh, topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they're tanning. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Nora goes to tan. And God, we're tying in so many things with this. So Luther bought her a bikini. Yeah. Because he insisted on it. Mm-hmm. He bought it for he or he made her buy it. Yeah. She purchased it. It was way too small. But Luther threatened her and was like, if you don't buy it, I will for you. Yeah. So she buys this bikini and she goes to the tanning salon to tan with it. Yeah. Uh, And then she's leaving the tanning place and it plays out differently in the movie and book. It does. Both are equally weird and uncomfortable. In the book, she's got her clothes on over top of it mm-hmm. and then runs into their priest yeah. in the mall. And the priest starts chatting her up and everything and she starts talking about, like, how uncomfortable this bikini is. And how I'm, she feels like it's falling off her. Yeah. Underneath her clothes. I can't tell if it's, like, popping off her or falling off her or if it's just, like, too tight. Yeah. It's kind of weirdly vague about it. But something about it was very weirdly almost sexual. Yeah. Like, some kind of, like, fantasy thing almost. Yeah. Like, it was... Clearly trying to be funny, I think. Like contrasting the, she was wearing this skimpy bikini underneath her clothes, but the priest couldn't see, but he's a priest. Yeah. But she talked about specifically that when she was wearing the bikini, even under her clothes, she felt slutty. Like she was a slut. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just the noise I've made this whole podcast. I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's just super weird and just like a I didn't really get the point of it no so then in the movie uh, they're like let's take this to 10 like we've taken every scene from the book and taken it to 10 so you imagine this scene like we just described it from the book and you're like how could I take this to 10 and you'd be like oh she's actually wearing the bikini and the priest sees her in the skimpy bikini yeah so when she's tanning she bumps her head she runs to the front desk for a band-aid and because it's in a mall she's kind of like in the entrance to the main atrium. Yeah. And of course, like her priest and other people are walking by and see her. And it's so weird because like, it's like, you're just supposed to be laughing at Jamie Lee Curtis and her body. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, Hey, look at her body. Isn't it old or something? Yeah. And it's not, it's not. No, No, she looks great. Yeah. She looks fine. You're like, are you supposed to be laughing because she, her boobs are out? Like it was like, (laughs) A kind of revealing bikini and yeah. just that she had cleavage, but like it wasn't like 
I don't know. It was really weird. I did not like that part. No, no. I felt super uncomfortable at that part. Yeah, especially as this, like, is a family-friendly movie and, like, children are viewing this. And you're like, what message are children taking away from this? Like, that you should be ashamed of your body or that you should laugh at other people's bodies or, like, that she's uncomfortable and laugh at that because she feels like she's her privacy is being violated. Like either way, it is not good. <laughs> no. And the pastor keeps looking at her boobs. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> it, it was, it was rough, man. It was not a good time. So in contrast though, there's this great scene in the movie where Luther gets a Botox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he gets a Botox injection in his face. And his face is just like all frozen and creepy looking. And then he's trying to eat like this fruit cup. <laughs> but he can't move his lips. And so it keeps like falling out of his mouth. And it was so ridiculous. But I, I kind of liked it, though. It was funny enough. Yeah, that- <laughs> yeah. And he like has to like jerk his head backwards so and like the food the will food just like there. slide back his throat like and there's this part where he tries to drink water and it just like flows out of his mouth it's like in any other movie it would have been just stupid but yeah. like i think just at this point in this movie i'm like yeah i'll laugh at this part like tim, sure. tim allen is selling it enough and i'm enjoying it enough like uh, this is funny but um a movie like this really makes me think a lot about like humor in films yeah and like why do some scenes work and others don't like what's the missing ingredient of some parts like why am i laughing at this but not that like a movie that's genuinely like hilarious yeah you're just kind of it feels so effortless Mm -hmm. and you're like oh of course this is funny like why wouldn't it be but then you see a movie like this that really struggles a lot to be funny yeah and there are parts that are funny and then there's parts that aren't at all yeah and yeah it is i don't have the answer to that like i don't know why some scenes work and some don't but that's a really interesting question and i just like watching movies like this make me think about it so much more yeah than like genuinely good comedies Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's just something i was thinking of yeah yeah so they have the party Blair has no idea that her parents have literally killed themselves to do this. <laughs> or nearly killed themselves. <laughs> and the neighbors are all like, yeah, we're neighbors. Yeah. And then like there's this like literally the last chapter, Luther goes over to Walt and Bev, their neighbors. The one woman has cancer and he gives the cruise package to them. He's like, hey, we can't use it. Like I didn't get like the refundable insurance. So it'll all go to waste. Why don't you take it? Blair's going to be here. We can't use it. You guys go on a cruise. It'll probably be the last thing you do together because your <laughs> wife is going to die. <laughs> That's basically what he says. That but is not. the subtext of the entire conversation. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you guys go on a cruise because death is coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like the sweet scene and they're like, thank you, Christmas. It was the book more so than even the movie i was like so sentimental yeah and i'm like how dare you you did not earn this no at all. it's too little too late you know yeah like if it was sentimental throughout like that's fine if you're going for that tone but it was so like mocking and cruel and like mean-spirited like you said at the beginning yeah and then all of a sudden at the end it's like oh like neighbors love each other and like coming together and Luther does this selfless thing and it's it's the spirit of Christmas and you're just like I mean this whole time was just people being jerks to each other yeah (laughs) the message is all fucked up yeah like 
like I said, it should have been that, oh, yeah, Luther and Nora were right. And you don't have to conform to all this like holiday bullshit. No. But at the end of the day, Nora and Luther were punished. They were punished (laughs) for not doing it. Yeah. They fell in line and then they get to like feel good about like the holiday And then they had like a happy Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. And Luther looks through the front window of his house. Oh, my God. Like three different times. In the movie, there's like so many window shots where you're outside and you're looking in the window and the snow's falling outside and you see like the lights inside and the people laughing inside and you're like stop (laughs) you only get one window shot (laughs) you only get one and there were like five in the movie (laughs) okay so um the very so oh yeah there's so one guy was invited to the party and this was kind of a funny part in the book yeah uh nora runs into him at the supermarket and she does not remember who he is. Yeah. But she just invites him to the party anyway. And he shows up and he starts talking to Enrique and he like knows Spanish and lived in Peru. And so it was kind of this funny thing. Like where he, they like, got along and they end up singing <laughs> carols together. And like no one knows who he is. Yeah. Uh, then in the movie. So Luther's walking back to his house. The burglar comes out of the window. Oh, my God. And jumps off the roof and he's about to get away. When suddenly the Santa who had been selling umbrellas at the beginning of the movie (laughs) comes out of nowhere and knocks out the burglar with an umbrella with an umbrella. And we were like, what? Umbrella Santa's back. He's the hero we deserve. (laughs) I didn't know he'd be coming back. But then it's revealed that he was the mystery man at the supermarket. And you find out his name is Marty. Yeah, his name is Marty. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got to get going. It's snowing and I sell umbrellas really well at this time. So, yeah, I got to head out. And Tim Allen's like, OK, bye, Santa. And he leaves. And it kind of like leaves this idea like, oh, is he like supposed to be the real Santa Claus? Yeah, like the mysterious man. Yeah, this mysterious person who knows everyone and no one knows him. And I did kind of like that a little bit. Yeah, Kind of putting mm-hmm. that because that was from. The character and him showing up at the party was from the book. Yeah. But this little ending thing with him being a Santa Claus person and you were like, is he the real Santa? Like, Mm -hmm. was added in the movie. Yeah. That was kind of for it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a little hokey, but like kind of a little little bit of Christmas magic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then the final shot of this movie. (laughs) It pans out on the street. Yeah. From uh, Luther and Nora. Yeah. Pans back. We get this huge shot of all of these lit up houses, houses with Frosties on the roof. With Frosties on the roof, then the nearest Frosty to the camera, CGI <laughs> turns around and waves at you. Waves and like does a wink with like the top hat, <laughs> and, and you're, you're like, like oh. oh. And then a sleigh, a Santa sleigh, flies in front of the moon. Yeah, and it is the car that Marty drove away in just like a few minutes ago. Yeah. So he is Santa. He is Santa. Definitely. And then as he flies by, like with magical sparkles, spells (laughs) out the end. Yeah, it is a flourish upon flourish upon flourish. (laughs) So many. It was like the Lord of the Rings Return of the King of Endings with like, what do we do? Let's do everything. Let's do a waving Frosty. Then let's do a Santa. And then like a, a glittery the end. And then a pan out shot. And yeah, it was crazy. And they were like, oh, we're left with this like little hint of maybe this man is Santa. And then it was like, well, I guess he's just Santa. You're, like, <laughs> you're fucking right. He's Santa. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's what leaves us off at the movie. It does. So overall impressions, very contrasting type of message. Basically the message that the book and the movie is saying that if you try to go against Christmas, you will be punished and learn the error of your ways. And then once you follow what everyone else is doing and conform to this capitalistic, materialistic Christmas tradition, then everything will go well for you and you'll have like a perfect Christmas moment. And God help you if you are Buddhist, Jewish, Hindu, or poor, Muslim, atheist, or poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're any of those things, then you're screwed. You're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That was a time in our lives. What a time. <laughs> what a time reading this. Uh, I know what my answer is, though. I don't know if you want me to tell you. Yeah, no, you start. Uh, the movie is better. Mm. Um, because it is, it's trash. Yeah. It's Christmas trash. <laughs> and it's at least, like, kind of lighthearted yeah. in certain ways. And even though it fails on so many levels, including humor and everything else, it's much less offensive than the book. Yeah, it has. So it has a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. That actually surprises me. Yeah, I don't know if it is quite deserving of a 5%. Like, that is very low. That's real, real low. Like, like there's plenty of Christmas trash out there. Yeah. <laughs> that is much lower than this Christmas trash. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, I'm not saying, like, I liked it to any extent, but no. <laughs> I'm surprised like more people didn't like it because yeah. it's ultimately like I wasn't like offended or over, or too overly annoyed with it. I'm just like, it's yeah. just whatever. It, and it is. It's just kind of like mindless, like boring, not boring, but kind of like not interesting. Yeah. Holiday movie. It's just it's fine. Yeah. It's not even fine. No. It's just whatever. It's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do have something, though, that I think is very telling of both the book and the movie. Ultimately, um, hold on. I've got my book here. OK, this is from when they went to see that movie that Luther. Oh, yeah. Hated so that much. walked out of. Yeah. He said eight bucks a ticket for what Luther knew would be another dull two hours of overpaid clowns giggling their way through subliterate plot. Oh, <laughs> hmm. wow. Yeah. That sounds a little bit like <laughs> a certain movie and a certain book. Yeah. No, that's true. And you know what? I might agree with you that the movie is better because even though the movie is very uneven in the way in its succeeding in certain moments, you know, like there are like funny moments, but they're mostly outnumbered by the not so good moments. Oh, absolutely. I would say. Uh, but the book is just so offensive in terms of not only like the racist stuff, but comments about women and mm -hmm. just like the caricatures feel more awful. Yeah. In the book. Like the book is honestly the most unfunny thing I've ever read. Yeah. Like the, 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 the uh, something that's trying to be funny that isn't funny. At least the movie has moments where it actually is funny. It is. There's a few moments in the movie that genuinely had me laughing. And like, honestly, I feel like a lot of that. And we talked about this is like the marketing so this mm -hmm. is Mark. The movie is supposed to be like a kids family friendly movie. Yeah. And so they're like, OK, come on, let's like punch up the script. Like, let's make let's put some more gags in. Like, yeah. let's make this funny so kids will like it. 
And like, that's fine. And I think they made a good choice in that aspect. Yeah. Because like, that's who you're targeting your Christmas movies towards anyway. Like you're targeting it towards children and families most of the time. Whereas in the book, it's like targeted towards adults. But yeah, it doesn't succeed in in a funny way. So it's just, I don't know. It's kind of boring. It's just really, really boring and offensive. Yeah. So I'm like, give me the... Give me the movie any day, people. I'll take Christmas with the Cranks <laughs> over over the book. Yeah. And I've never read anything else by John Grisham, so I don't know like how much of a departure this is from his other books. But like this was some poor, poor writing. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that he writes like that all the time because I, I haven't read anything else by him. But this is not good. Like... This is not such a blatant like cash grab holiday yeah. piece of crap. Yeah. So you've heard it here, people. Christmas with the cranks is actually better. It's better than something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think it could be better than something, but it, it actually it is. is. It really is. Yeah. I I mean, I'm so glad it was only like 170 pages because I don't know if I would have been able to get through any more of it. No, I couldn't. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. God. <sighs> Let's do a lightning round. Yeah, lightning round. All right. So for my first lightning round thing, I wanted to talk about uh, smoked trout because <laughs> Nora can't get a ham for this party. Yeah. She buys smoked trout instead and it's the same as book in the movie Mm -hmm. and for some reason everyone is just like smoked trout (laughs) like i don't know if it's just because it's for a christmas party and it's not ham or turkey but everyone is shitting on smoked trout i mean i've never had smoked trout i don't know if it's good or not i haven't either but i mean can it be that bad that everyone is just like oh like (laughs) at the first thought of it I, I don't know, but it just comes across as, like, really elitist and bullshitty. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. uh, you only have smoked trout for your Christmas party. You like, don't have a, a turkey or a ham. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just this weird, like, everyone overreacts to it to the max. Okay, so something I wanted to mention from the movie specifically was uh, Nora's character. She's, like, wearing this Christmas vest (laughs) for, like, part of the beginning. And then later when Blair calls them and tells them that she's coming back, she was just wearing, like, a sweater. And then she's like, I need my vest. And she, like, goes into the (laughs) closet and pulls out the Christmas vest again. She, like, puts on the vest and she's like, okay, I'm in in party mode. I'm ready for Christmas (laughs) now. And I'm like, what? What is going on with this like Christmas vest? <laughs> I loved it because in the scene earlier when she's wearing it, you yeah. notice it. Yeah. And you don't know if you're supposed to really notice it that much. But then later when she's like, I have to get the vest. You're like, <laughs> okay, this was self-aware. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, the one, another thing I wanted to mention was just the fucking cat in the movie. Oh yeah. It's so. It's just such a stupid like slapsticky thing. Yeah. But I swear to God, every noise the cat makes is this canned like cat noise that you'd find on like uh an effects board yeah of just like like all of these like (laughs) generic like cats every single time like he steps on the tail or like something happens to it it's like a cartoon noise yeah there's just a dude with a keyboard and like sound effects behind the camera (laughs) like the entire time it's insane so when the police come to sell them calendars, there's this part in the book where they talk about how 
one year the police did like a sexy police calendar <laughs> and like had the police officers like in these like sexy poses. <laughs> but then like everyone was outraged about it. And so they like collected all of them back up and then like burned them or something crazy. Yeah. But like Nora had hers and like kept it down in the basement to like <laughs> look at by herself. And I'm like, what? is happening but it's great though because like in the movie when the police come they like show them the calendar and they just show them like the one month view and it's not like a sexy one but it's sort of like a, a glam shot police <laughs> officer one like they're kind of looking like very handsome you know <laughs> it was it was one of those good visual gags from the movie actually it was really funny yeah <laughs> okay this was i don't know i don't think it was supposed to be as funny as i thought it was but in the book <laughs> Luther just keeps drinking cognac. Like, he keeps just going down to his study and drinking liquor. Yeah. And he just keeps, like, drinking more and more as the book progresses. And he talks about him, like, thinking about, like, how he was going to go down there later. Yeah. (laughs) And literally at one point, a, a passage, not a chapter, but, like, before a line break, the last line is... Luther was closer to the cognac than he wanted to admit. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, You're like going this down this dark path really sounds like a brewing alcoholic problem. Like he was closer than he wanted. <laughs> okay. So there's this part in the movie where, and in the book too, but it's played up more in the movie where Nora is talking to this man that runs this greeting card company and Nora always buys Christmas cards to send out to everyone. And then she always buys uh, Christmas invitations for their party that they have. And so he's like calling her up and he's like, hey, you haven't placed your order yet. And she's like, yeah, we're not doing it. We're not doing Christmas. Um, but in the movie, like she actually runs into him on the street and he's like, kind of like stalking her and like following her. And he's like, where you're not, you're ordering your cards and stuff. She's like, I can't, I can't right now. Nope. He's the most aggressive card salesman of all time. Yeah. And then she's like, I'm late for lunch. And she goes into lunch and she's meeting with like her socialite friends or something. And then the card guy comes in and he's like, Oh, Nora, I just want to tell you that you didn't order your invitation cards either. And she's like, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't need them. I, I, I won't need them. And everyone's like, what? You're not having your party? And he like publicly shames her in front of these women. <laughs> and then she's talking to them later and it like shows the card guy like sitting at another table with other women and like talking to them and then like looking over at Nora like what? And like the card guy is like spreading gossip about her. He literally because you don't see him for a few minutes while Nora's still talking to her friends and when it cuts back to him sitting at a table we're like he's still there? (laughs) He's telling on her. He's like actively gossiping about her behind her back. Uh. (laughs) So over the top. That's it for the lightning round though. Some pretty good stuff to mine from this one. Oh, yeah. This was, I mean, even though it was terrible to read and kind of not that great to watch, it was fun to talk about. It was. It always (laughs) makes it worthwhile because we know we'll at least get to vent. And crap on it later. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for listening to our special Christmas holiday episode. Um, Just so you guys know, um, we will be back on the first Wednesday of January. So we won't be um, having our episode come out in two weeks. It'll actually be three weeks from when this episode is released. So the first Wednesday in the new year, which is January 3rd, our new episode will be out. Yep. Uh, If you want to email us with suggestions or thoughts, you can find us at 
cover to credits pod at gmail.com or if you want to follow us on twitter and tweet at us with other suggestions we are at cover two credits that's the number two and uh if you could leave us a review on itunes that is the best thing you can do right now to support the podcast give us a little christmas gift (laughs) (laughs) show your christmas spirit and conform to societal expectations of leaving an itunes review (laughs) So thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you in the new year. See you in the new year. Bye. Bye.